Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Since at least the early 2000s, HBO has changed the game of what it means to be a prestige television series. From The Sopranos and Sex and the City to Girls and True Blood to Hacks and Succession, what was once a means to get Hollywood films onto home TV screens has now become the go-to destination for award-winning original programming with viewership in the tens of millions. They weren't kidding back in the 80s when they said, it's not television, it's HBO. So now the great pop culture debate wants to decide, what is the best HBO original series? Attention all True Blood vamps, I'm a fairy and you're welcome to suck me. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please welcome my panel for this episode. The guy he's dating has the funkiest tasting spunk. Please welcome back Bob Orlenback. Eric, I was once told I wouldn't be able to get backstage to see Mick Jagger. Well, I did get backstage and I blew him. Waiter, I'd like to cancel my rice pudding. <laughs> the last thing she remembers is stopping by a diner and hearing Don't Stop Believin' on the radio. It's Carissa Claus. Hi, life's a journey, and I'm happy to be here. Bada bing. And he's always got a pants tent for you. It's Kevin Dillon. Is it a pants tent or a boner? I assume it's a boner. Mm. The camera just faded to black, and it says, directed by Robert B. Reed. <laughs> <laughs> So before we get to the debate, how does this work? We made a list of 100-plus HBO series. Note that we stuck to the shows that ran for more than one series or which were intended to be ongoing series, so no limited series like Band of Brothers, Mildred Pierce, etc. We got more than 120 people who took the poll, tallied their votes, ranked the picks by popularity, and added them to a bracket. Now we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. Want to play along at home? You can. Head to greatpopculturedebate.com and go to polls and brackets. There you'll find the downloadable listener bracket for this in every episode of our little show. Do your picks match up with ours? Do you think we need to book an appointment with Dr. Melfi? Let us know by dropping a comment on this episode at our website or by yelling at us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And lastly, if you're curious about how we went from the top 32 down to the sweet 16, become a Patreon supporter of our podcast. Our Patreons at the $5 level or higher get exclusive access to the warm-up slash part ones for each episode in which we work our way through all of round one. It's like a whole bonus episode for each topic and it includes arguments you will not hear anywhere else. And it's only one of our great Patreon perks, so consider supporting us today. And with that out of the way, let's head to the home box office and get straight to the debates. First up, three quarters of the panel wanted the dynastic drama and dragons of ultimate number one seed Game of Thrones to conquer round two, but Kevin wanted to advance hitman turned actor Barry, a five seed. Kevin, why are you following the Assassin's Creed? Bob, explain why when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. I'm going to have Kevin go first. I know I'm going to lose this, and that's okay. Um, I like Game of Thrones. I don't get the obsession with it. I think it is a fine dramatic series. I think it's overhyped. I think it. I, I liked the finale even, too. I just do not understand it. Uh, but for me, Barry is a show that it, it's just really, really genius. You know, you take this concept of a hitman who wants to be an actor and that just, I don't know, that alone is an HBO series in and of itself. And then you have the talent of 
Bill Hader. You have Henry Winkler as his acting coach. You have Stephen Root as his former hitman boss, I guess, if you will, or the person who would hire him to put hits out on people. Um, and you get to explore this like weird little world of what it means to try and become a successful actor in L.A. while also what it means to kind of explore male anger and rage because that's what you're exploring through bill Hader's character as a former uh former vet and I, I i think there's something just so brilliant and unique about barry that um i guess i don't i rarely see in shows around that have this like male-led comedic voice although barry is very 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 dark in its humor um and then there's the episode ronnie lily where they're essentially trying to outrun the young little girl who is whose father was killed by them and and it's just this bananas premise but grounded in trying to find humanity in its lead um i love bill Hader. i think he is i will say this the most talented actual genuine actor to come out of snl and all of its history like i think he is the best actor of all of throughout the whole history of snl maybe bill murray i could go that route but like man alive Bill Hader is fantastic. The show is brilliant. It has a artistic point of view. It is just genius. And I am comfortable losing this battle because it is a uphill one. But I also wanted us to talk about Barry. Um, it's coming back this year. And to be honest with you, it is probably one of my, if not my most anticipated show of 2022. So I want to name all that. Uh, but again, I'm up against... Game of Thrones. <laughs> so Higgins, Mama. Um, so that's a great argument for Barry, and I love how passionate you are about the show. It is it's a luck of the draw, right? Barry's an eight seed, or not an eight seed, excuse me. It's a what what did we say it's it was? Five seed. Five seed. Um and yeah. that's why it sailed through round one. Like it, it was a unanimous decision in round one. It's up against the ultimate number one seed. Um, before I have Bob uh, shoot his uh, load, uh, that's a terrible thing. Shoot his balestra. Um, yeah, let terrible. me ask, <laughs> uh, Carissa and, and Bob, did Kevin's argument sway you to vote for Barry instead of Game of Thrones? I am a huge Barry fan, too, and I'm excited to know that it's coming back this year. Um and but I I can't vote against Game of Thrones just because as far as rubric goes um, and how I'm grading these uh, Game of Thrones has completed and it has several seasons we don't yet know Barry might end up sucking I highly doubt it will but you know um, and so with that being still in in question I have to go with Game of Thrones but I love Barry so much and I think it took for me it kind of is like succession it took a little bit to find the right note of the humor for me like it just takes me a minute to calibrate to what they kind of are trying to do and then once it hits it hits constantly and it's so good and I've been meaning to go back and rewatch Barry. So I think I'm going to try and do that before season three, because it sounds like a really fun thing to do. And once you get the humor, it's just like, there's that bit about the table in season two. And like yes. he has to train an entire army to be his replacement so he can leave the job. Like I get this, you know? So yeah. I, yeah. When does season three supposed to start Kevin? April. 
April. Oh. End of April. Um, it's going to be eligible for this year's Emmys. This year's comedy Emmys are going to be a bloodbath. So get ready because you've got Barry, you've got Atlanta, you've got Maisel, you've got maybe Hacks. You have all these like fantastic shows. So it will be back soon. Okay. Yay. Great. A good excuse to to go back and rewatch. Bob, yeah. did you did that argument sway you for Barry's over Game of Thrones? Well, maybe Carissa's argument that Barry might suck. Maybe I should be. Maybe I should be voting for that. Maybe he does end up sucking. I don't know. Um, but no, it it doesn't. I think you know everything Game of Thrones brings, and I'll save it for maybe a future round if it's needed. Um, you know, when you want to talk about water cooler, um, there's yeah. your water cooler yeah. right there. So yeah. The most water cooler of shows on this list, for sure. Um, okay, so we are going to advance Game of Thrones to round three. Uh, the panel unanimously decided to promote the repugnant Roy family in succession, a three seed, leading to the permanent deactivation of Westworld, a two seed. Um, I would like to briefly talk about Westworld, since we didn't talk about it all in round one. It was another unanimous victory. Um, I'm going to don my white cap and speak on... Westworld is a deeply frustrating experience for me because it has so much potential. And the first, I actually even love season two were what HBO was made for, right? Like this is really high concept shit. And there was so much good stuff in seasons one and two. And then three just lost me and they are coming back for four. And that's apparently the end of it. Um, by the same token, succession season three was not great. And I was just like, they kind of both are similar. I mean, they're very different shows, obviously. No, 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 no Eric. Did you watch all of season three? Guys, I watched all of season three of Succession and I did enjoy the last couple of episodes, but that was a lot of circle jerking for at least the first half of that season where I was like, we have done this before. The only plot line that interested me in season three of Succession, and it's continuing on, it, it's continuing. So we, we, we might want to hold this, but was the Kendall having an absolute mental breakdown and yeah. not naming it until literally like the last 20 minutes of the season. That was the I'm only gonna, part of it. That I I'm going to say this. I think Westworld is maybe almost the worst show on this bracket. Really? Yes. Worse In than True Blood. Worse than, yep. I think the worst is the newsroom, but I would sure. say Westworld <laughs> is very close to that. I am yeah. going to hardcore disagree with you on there. I will say this. Westworld had um, clearly when you're watching season one, shit went down behind the scenes and like they filmed a bunch of it. Then they had to take an extended hiatus and then they brought it back. And like, there are major characters that are written off very quickly. And then there's new characters that are brought on. You're like, where did this come from? Um, but I thought seasons one and two were really strong. And even though that time jumping stuff pissed off a lot of people in season one, where you're just like, oh, where did that come from? A lot of people were like, oh, I see exactly what you're doing here. Um, season two was even more complicated with that. Season three just, I think the mistake was moving outside of the park, even though I did want to see what that looked like. But it went so far outside of the park that to me, I was like, this isn't even the same show anymore, in, in my opinion. Um, but there are great performances in Westworld. I think Tandy, and she just, she took back her original name, which is Tandiwi, I think. Tandiwi knew in... Uh, kills that show evan rachel wood great in that show i'm not exactly a fan of the ed harris experience which to me at this point is very paint by numbers ed harris but he's really good in that role um who else am i forgetting james marston anthony hopkins Anthony Hopkins is great, but it's very, it's the Anthony Hopkins wheelhouse, right? Jeffrey Wright's incredible on that show. Thank you. Duh. Um, 
Uh, James Marsden was fine, but had very little to do. Um, there's a lot of stuff I love about Westworld. I just think the people lost the plot with it. And also, frankly, it is a cursed show. I think the sets have been burned down twice in two different national disa- natural disasters. Oh, wow. And like things keep happening behind the scenes on that show. It is fully cursed. But... I think it has all the promise of what an HBO series could be, and there are moments where it harnesses it, and there's a lot of wasted potential. So I'm fine with it going out, but I'm putting that out there right now. Succession, I loved seasons one and two. Three was very shaky for me, and it better come out with guns blazing in season four. Otherwise, I think it's going to have the exact same experience that uh, Westworld did for me, which is tremendous uh, potential, exactly what HBO comedy should be doing, and just not realizing it in the later seasons. So any other thoughts on Westworld before we continue? It's bad. No. Kevin hates it. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Uh, next up, it's One Seed The Wire against Four Seed True Blood. Kevin, tap into the success of The Wire and move it forward. Bob, crack open a bottle of True Blood and explain that why in this house we recycle. And I nobody else is going to get that reference, but it's one of the funniest <laughs> things I remember from True Blood. Where. Bill has become a new father to Jessica and is yelling at her about recycling their blood bottles. It's just so quintessentially true blood. It's perfect. Uh, I'm going to have Kevin go first. I'm going to plug this. You should uh, become a Patreon and and join that so you can listen to part one because we started a really good conversation around The Wire. Um, I I think for me, um, the work that David Simon and his writing team and the directors and the cast – uh, do around this topic is just really next level for me. Like it is, it is probably the, for me, the best show, the best dramatic series that HBO has put out there. Um, and, and we talked a little bit about this in part one. So you may, you know, again, if you become a Patreon, you can hear this, but there is a, a, a denseness that exists in the wire. And I think it's something that I love because it gives me a window into a world that I, I don't live in, nor have I experienced, but it feels fully lived in. And I think that's the thing that's really unique about David Simon's series, whether it's Treme or the plot against America, when you when you enter into these worlds you really get the full picture and and it can take time to get to the place that it's getting to. I, I do recognize that, but I, I think what David Simon really does in his work, especially in the wire is, is you get this, not only people are the characters, but the city itself and, and people kind of make fun and tease at that a little bit. Um, and there's even a moment where Noah Hawley is in an interview, a, a director's roundtable, and he says that Omar is his favorite character in television history. And Ava DuVernay just kind of laughs at him because it's just this like stupid white boy thing to say. <laughs> um, and it's fantastic. And I encourage you to find this interview. I think it's a Hollywood reporter roundtable. And, and, and I think that sometimes the the thing that happens with the wire is like it's just got this like glommed on white critics uh, uh um effect but that isn't necessarily what it is it's because the show is just so damn brilliant and it really is a larger understanding of what is happening in the world of um Baltimore and and with the intersections of that community and policing and how those two things are are 
at odds with each other and there is no community development or engagement and how do these two spaces live and don't live together and i just think it is just such a a slice of life fascinating show and and i think that's something that people often want from like per se a documentary but where you rarely get scripted shows that really delve into the depths of society in this way and that's why the wire is lauded to be one of the best shows of all time and and you get a really authentic lived experience from the black community in baltimore that you per se will never see again lived on on television or in film and 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 it is really really a genius show kevin one thing that we have not done and um there may be people listening listening to this who have never watched the wire Wire, who have have no idea what it is because it's a show that's like 15 years old now the viewership at the time was not big so briefly either you or carissa because you guys are the two kind of champions for the show here very briefly explain like what is the show about because you wouldn't know it from the name well i think kevin's kevin hit it it's the story of baltimore um through the lens of law enforcement and other areas of the city and so each season kind of focuses on a different part of it um you have the drug trade which kind of goes through the whole thing season two is the ports um then you have like politics, schools, um, the newspaper. So you yep. kind of get, so this is why it's a slow burn and also why it's brilliant is how else do you give an audience um, a full picture of all of the factors that impact society and culture and how things can change, but why they still say the same um, without giving these, like it's heavy stuff and it's really, um, there are no easy fixes because of how many moving parts there are. And so by spreading it out over this series and showing it in this way, it gives you so much more of a perspective on what it is urban life in Baltimore, but also just probably, I think a lot of this is probably really transferable to a lot of other um, more populated areas. And it's just um, such a richer and deeper understanding of culture in these places. Thank you. I would argue that no network would touch a show like this. HBO is the only network that would tackle this. The only other network maybe, and again, it's more in doc format is PBS. And like, you're not going to get this hard hitting, like depthful, that's the wrong word and not a word, deep uh, exploration of of society in this way. And that's why The Wire worked is because HBO trusts David Simon to tell really beautifully brilliant, deep stories around layered aspects of society. Yeah. And it's a long story. And I don't think um, you can do this without having subscribers pay you to do it. You know, I think you're right. These are great arguments. Mm -hmm. Um, Bob, I want to hear you talk about True Blood. No, and I, you know, I want to admit, you know, you know, it is an excellent examination of like that urban life, how institutions have negative effects on people, like all of those different components of everything that we just said about policing and, and, you know, how these how these people interact in the community, et cetera. Like all of that's there. I think it's important for all of those things. Um, I think it is interesting that we had to pause to explain it to the listener because I'm not sure that that a broad um, audience is going to to know, and we needed to do that for them. Um, You know, I think True Blood is 
we talked about this in part one, if you want to hear it in part one, um, it is a water cooler show, show. It is something that was, uh, you know, came along and was a lot of fun. It, it, it hit with a lot of, a lot of people and a lot of audiences and in, in being able to talk about it, um, you know, around the water cooler the next day, it was something that, you know, was appointment television for a lot of people. Um, the wire wasn't that, and the wire is super important. And I think all of those things, are true and it's incredibly well made and all of that. Um, I just don't know as though it's really the best series because I, I don't know as though it's it's something that um, is as approachable as something um, like True Blood. You know, taking in all of the, the the messiness that we talked about in part one too. About um, there are some seasons that are real clunkers there, but it's a lot of fun. It's a it's it's not as um, you know as heavy as The Wire. It's it's something that's more approachable. It's something that um, you know people you know, just had a lot of fun with. And, and I think that's, to me, puts it ahead of, of the wire. Um, the wire is just really, really hard to watch, especially now, you know, however many years later, 15 minutes, 15 years later, where like, I, I tried to binge through some additional seasons of this and it's just, it's, it's so hard, um, to do so. Um, but I will argue that the wire was the number two vote in our poll. Which says something like maybe it is we're we're maybe talking about it as though it is something that it isn't. And I, it seems like it's a show that while it wasn't necessarily popular when it came out, it it found its audience and people found it because it was critically acclaimed in a way. I remember reading an article towards the end. I want to say it was in Entertainment Weekly, which poor one out that that isn't getting published anymore. I know, isn't that crazy? Uh, mm-hmm. It makes me so sad because that was like, it, man, that was my newspaper. That it was, was my, my Bible for years. It, I think yeah. Kate Reculia still has all of hers. Didn't she <laughs> do collages <laughs> from them? <laughs> oh my God. I used to, I mean, I remember like, it, and I just remember Entertainment Weekly really talking up that show. And I think it's because people stuck up for it that people found it and became enamored with the story of the wire and i'm gonna save more because i have a lot to say when it goes up against game of thrones potentially eventually uh because it is better (laughs) so um I'm going to stick with True Blood here, and I think you made great arguments. Oh, uh, and Eric. Can, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the wire is still advancing. I mean, Carissa, you're sticking with the wire. Yes. It's a tie vote, <laughs> so it advances because it's a one seed. True Blood's a four seed. But I, I hear all your arguments, and I, I especially like the argument that only a channel like HBO could do this show because you have to have a subscriber base to pay for this long-form storytelling to take place. Um, that's really compelling to me as an argument, and we've discussed Rubric, and I think one of Bob's arguments, mm-hmm. which is so true, is like, is this a show that only HBO could do? I think that's also true for True Blood, but I think Kevin's point, and maybe Chris says, I don't remember who else said it, but like, really only HBO could do The Wire. But if I'm being true to myself, you said something, Kevin, that I thought was so especially accurate, which is maybe this show would have worked better if it was a documentary as opposed to a drama series. And that's exactly how I feel. Like, I love watching documentary series, but I've tried The Wire and it is dense to me in a way that is n- not pleasurable to watch. And in part one, we were talking about shows that we were upset didn't make the bracket. I brought up Looking. And one of the arguments that Looking didn't connect with the gay community is I don't want to see all of my flaws held up in a mirror to me on television. That's not why I watch television, especially not at 9 o'clock on a Sunday night. 
these are important stories. They need to be told. I'm all for that. But it was not told in a way that worked for me and that I found pleasurable to watch. So it's one of those things where people are like, oh, you got to watch The Wire, man. I know it's a little bit of a dense thing, but you just got to like get through 70 hours of it. And then it's amazing. And it's like, no, that's not for me, dog. Um, like, I'm sorry. And you can tell me that I'm an ignorant slut. You'd be right. But I, I, I'm sticking with True Blood here, which is a show that I was passionate about. I loved watching. Is it stupid? Is it a mess? Mm-hmm. Is it a completely inconsequential vampire fuck fest? Yes, yes. And hell yes. And that's why I loved it. So I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns here and I'm, I will be on the wrong side of history on that. Comfortable with it. The Wire advances regardless. So next up, two seed Watchmen is up against three seed last week tonight. Could not be more uh, disparate approaches. And I think right now we are largely on the side of Watchmen, but I know Carissa wanted to talk a little bit about last week tonight. Yeah, um, I think last week tonight is um, a newsy show, right? Uh, Watchmen gives us some history lessons for sure. Um, last week tonight has been around longer, which is what tips my vote in that direction. Um, I love last week tonight for how it makes news palatable because (laughs) the times that we're in, like, it's just so fucking depressing, you know? Um, but somehow John Oliver is able to make me laugh about the absurdities or I don't know. Um, understanding uh also he affects real change right they set up alternate website they buy domains for stuff they do fundraising um it's all very tongue-in-cheek and with like a humorous aspect but it's real change um but also i haven't watched that show in at least a few seasons and i've noticed what happens is when you get out of the routine of watching it regularly, you can't, you can't backtrack. The, yeah. You you have to watch it the week or maybe the week after. Um, but otherwise you just, it gets kind of lost. And so that's a negative for me, but I just, Watchmen is brilliant, but it's also just one season. So great arguments. And I agree. Like last week tonight genuinely affects real change. I have nothing against it. It has done a lot of good in the world, which is crazy considering it's a satirical new show, right? Mm-hmm. He's, trading on what john stewart started with the daily show arguably he's improved upon it i do think what hurts this the show is it's so seasonal and it's only on for certain chunks of the year and they don't do a great job frankly of letting you know when it's back if i'm being honest like i'm a fan of the show and I have no idea when it's on and when it's not. Um, But there are many other, I mean, most of the late night hosts now have kind of really also adopted this tactic, but I think John Oliver is the best among them, but he has genuinely impacted real change. And we do need it in the world right now. Is it sad? The comedians are the ones who are making very real world issues palatable for us. Says the guy who just voted for true blood over the wire. Um, (laughs) I was going to say, at least I have self-awareness. Um, but no, like realistically, it is a a good show and an important show. Is it a show that only HBO can do? Nope. Because everybody else is also doing it. And I would argue that they do it a little bit better because it's more frequent and frequency is hugely important to that format. You have to be able to do it quickly touch on the today's issues. Then you're out. And tomorrow you have a whole other crusade to launch. And I don't think that last week tonight is allowed to do that because of its format. 
And I would argue that we talked a little bit about this in, in a like intermediate break, but I would argue that we we were like, oh, people will vote for kind of align with like what celebrity does or says. And I'm for me, that's a problem. That's how we got someone elected president a few mm-hmm. years ago. And like that is the problem that we lean into when we kind of don't actually explore what issues mean. But with that said, John Oliver does. And he's he's the one who actually leans into it and like fleshes out his work. He's, I think, one of the few who is doing it well yeah. um, and, and dives into it because Last Week Tonight is a good show. It's just not Watchmen. Yeah. And so you're with Watchmen on this one, Kevin. And Bob? I really like Chris's argument about, you know, Watchmen is only one season. And I took Mm -hmm. a look at that with a lot of my picks too. But Watchmen could not come back tomorrow ever again. And I would still say that this season of Watchmen was was the winner and excellent, right? So, um, yes, Watchmen. Okay. Uh, So we'll be advancing Watchmen next in a battle of sexy comedy versus depressing family drama from HBO's original Golden Age. We are evenly split between four seeds, Sex in the City, and one seed, Six Feet Under. Carissa, why should we bury our reservations about advancing the Fisher clan and move forward Six Feet Under? I will say that I'm sorry, I can't, don't hate me, and try to push Carrie and the Gales to round three. I'm going to have, well, Chrissy, you just went, so let me take it. Um, So with apologies to Dream On, which was HBO's first quasi-hit sitcom, Sex and the City really was the channel's stake in the ground for comedy shows. It was a success pretty much right out of the gate, and by the time it hit its stride in season three, it was a full-on juggernaut. Like, this show... Literally, in case you were not like aware of pop culture at the time, this is 99 through I think 2006 is when the show ended. Does that sound about right? Something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Like by the time you got to like early 2000s, this show was setting fashion. It was setting trends. Like if you enjoyed an Apple teeny in the early 2000s, you can directly thank Carrie Bradshaw for that because that's what this show was doing. Um, To me, I would argue that Sex and the City culturally had more impact on American society than any other show on this list. And you can say that I'm wrong on that, but like... It was huge. It was huge all the way through, even through that first movie. We won't talk about the second one. Um, I I will acknowledge that the show has not aged well. Uh, It is notably white, even while set in New York City. And that's a glaring problem that the producers and the cast all acknowledge now and tried to correct when doing the spinoff just like that. You could argue that they course-corrected too much on that front. But um, I think... And also the later seasons, the women themselves really stopped to behave, Samantha especially, less like actual women and more were like reflections of the gay men that were largely writing them at the time. So there's a lot of criticisms that you can launch against Six uh, six Feet Under, uh, Sex in the City. But that being said, you cannot deny that cast is amazing. All four of them awesome in those roles it is very funny highly rewatchable it has like so many literally iconic moments that are still culturally relevant to this day it is a brand and it is a kind of it created a lifestyle for people like literally sex in the city is a tentpole for hbo almost 20 years after it went off the air they brought back in just like that it is like I guess you can't really factor that into this because we're just talking about the original, but I don't think it's any surprise that even after almost 20 years off the age, a spinoff comes up and it is still crazy successful for that channel, even with all the criticism levied against it. Carissa, do you have anything to say about Six Feet Under? 
I have so many things to say about six feet under. Um, I can't, I, I mean, I kind of can't believe I have to argue this. <laughs> I got um, your back on this one. Oh, thank you. Um, six feet under it was five seasons, 63 episodes, Alan ball, the Fisher family funeral home in LA, right? It opens with, um, the death of the patriarch and the kids trying to figure it out. Um, but the kids give you, completely different experiences. You have the older brother, you have the gay brother, you have the young teen daughter who's trying, who's trying to figure out her life. Um, and then you have Frances Conroy as a widow. Like it's just every episode opens with a death and you get this, there's this formula to it. That's kind of like law and order ish. Right. But it, it, it's, you get, uh, the stories are moving forward constantly. It's kind of a meditation on life and death and also family drama and also what it is to be a sibling, what it is to, you know, um, try and follow in the steps of your parents. It's, it's so many things that, I, that Sex and the City is not. Um, and while I understand the pop culture impact of the easy parts of Sex and the City, the fashion, the drinks, like... Six Feet Under makes you confront your mortality, and uh, it's maybe a less comfortable thing to embrace, but I think ultimately is a lot more important. Yeah, well, you got me there, Gail. Um, <laughs> I also say both of these shows have excellent final episodes. They yes, both have absolutely. really legendarily good finales the and problem the problem is sex in the city kept going well and they they ruined that they really did six feet under is apparently getting a, a, a continuation too i, I was just like reading that. about that I so like we'll, that. we will see i don't know that i think it's one of those things that they're gonna th frazier was supposed to also get a continuation that that has not happened yeah oh, so um we'll see so bob i'm guessing you're with me on sex in the city I am. And I, it's, it's funny because Carissa's sentiments of like, I can't believe I'm arguing six feet under against sex in the city. I am feeling the same way about sex in the city. And I was looking at, I was looking at the, at the seeds and I can see that six feet under ranked higher on the seeds as well. And I just, for some reason, I feel that, that that's wrong somehow, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to debate the voters per se, but sex in the city to me, it, it almost became, it, it is almost defining of the, the HBO brand at the time. Like HBO is, is very uh, like intertwined with this, this property in a way that I think six feet under wouldn't be the same way. Um, I think that, um, I think to your point of like, they brought this series back so many years later and it is still, it is still wildly successful. Um, I think says and a bad, lot about but continue. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not here debating that right now. I watched it, but I'm going to continue to watch it. I will probably never stop watching it. Even I liked the second movie and nobody else does um, because I like these characters and I like spending time with them. Um, you know, I think for me, it, it just, it, it spun off the Carrie diaries. I don't know if that's a positive, but I loved the Carrie diaries too. So, um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm with six sex in the city. So, um, 
I to, think to answer that, your question with a short answer, yes. <laughs> I think the thing with Six Feet Under, though, is, is I again, I go back to this thing that I don't think there's another network that would tackle Six Feet Under either. Like, I, I, I think HBO was the home for Six Feet Under intentionally. Alan Ball, who did True Blood, who you all have been talking up, both of you, as mess and that you like, Six Feet Under is 20 times the show that True Blood was. And... It explores these dramatic elements of life in a really intricate way. You have Rachel Griffiths, who is one of the most complex female characters that has been on an HBO series, honestly. And I think it's really fascinating to watch her throughout the series. My God, the threesome with the paintball instructor, guys. Come (laughs) on. Jesus Christ. And then the musical episode. Yeah. I mean, and the the series finale. The drug episode. The drug episode, the oh episode where God. David gets kidnapped. Yes. Oh, right. oh. oh my God. I mean, talk about euphoria and not being able to breathe. Yes. This is that. Yes. It was that. Yeah. And some of the best performances I've seen that just didn't get the credit it they deserved. They didn't win a lot of Emmys. They did not. They deserved so much more. And I think it's because it, it was a little too arm's length at the time. But talk about taking the concept of, of, of American Beauty, which Ellen Ball wrote, and actually elevating it and making it quality. Mm. Can, Bob, you want to I say also, something? Yeah. yeah. Can I also? This is this is a silly little throwaway thing, but I, I saw this. I think probably in a tweet at some point, and I don't know if this is true for other people, but it's very true for me. When I hear that staticky HBO logo that pops up on the screen, like for me, there's always something that immediately associates right after that. Like in my brain, I always hear the theme song to um, "Sex in the City" chime in after that. Um, I know that's just a silly little thing, but like it's just. Again, it's so it's so associated with with HBO and in such a you know such a huge it was such a huge impact um, culturally and for them as a as a network um, and really the temp, the the stake in the ground with regards to comedy as you mentioned like I that's this is another little thing that you know I go to in my brain. But. I don't think that is silly. I think it actually is important. Like yeah. it became synonymous with HBO, but here's the thing. Uh, and again, we are split here. Seeds would determine it. Six feet under is going to uh, go ahead. Cause I don't think that either Kevin or Chris are going to change their votes. No, no. So I, I will just say this. Um, I think with well, six feet under six feet under sex in the city, Sopranos were all on HBO at the same time. Correct. Yes. Within, within, yes. Yeah, yes, they were. The year wise. Yeah. Like they yes, weren't yes, they airing were. at the same time, but like year wise, they were all kind of at that same class. That's that golden age of uh, original Six golden Feet age. Under aired. It started and stopped while The Sopranos was still airing. Yes. On, on both sides of it. And I think, Kevin, one of the reasons that it didn't win as many awards is because it was up against the Sopranos. And yep. I truly do believe that ultimately Six Feet Under was the JV squad for HBO drama, whereas Sex in the City was the varsity comedy. That That's an argument that I'm going to put out there. Additionally, you mentioned that Six Feet Under is 20 times the show that True Blood is, both of them being an Alan Ball joint. I think that um, he went for chaos with True Blood, which is very true to that source material. And Six Feet Under is meticulous. It is refined. It is subdued. It is extraordinarily well-crafted. And you you all are right. Listen, I hope it's not coming off that I am anti-Six Feet Under because I'm not. Neither I think it's I. a great show. And I'm not at all upset that it's continuing. What I'm baleful <laughs> over is that Sex in the City, from a comedy perspective, is to me still 
the number one HBO comedy. You can say no Veep, but in terms of cultural impact, Sex and the City is by and away, far and away, by and large, um, but it, the but most I, successful but- HBO comedy. I think what you're we're getting to is is who has access to HBO and why Sex and the City like there's a whole there's a lot of layers that we can get into sure. in conversation, yeah. and uh, you know it's like who did HBO cater to in the beginning? Yeah, wealthy uh, white people, well off middle aged white people, right? Yeah, and and I get that, and that's not to say that Sex and the City is bad because I liked Sex and the City. I'm when we preview alert when we do our 90s episode i actually have it going farther than i expected to, it to go because in the early in the late 90s it is excellent mm-hmm. it is great tv with that said th- this also was a tough one for me but for me i went with sec- six feet under because i'll be honest with you hbo is running this into the- hbo is running Sex in the City into the ground. I actually don't think the first movie is good, and I think the second movie is atrocious. And I think, and just like that, its follow up is <laughs> really garbage. Like I watched it all. I did. It was really bad. And I don't. I I like the characters, but I don't know that it is continuing a legacy that it should for the show. And I I think it's not doing the original its justice. And I I know that Six Feet Under might have a follow up, but as of right now. Six feet under wins out because of that do, for me. Do we do we also think that there is a slight disadvantage in this pair up as well because it is a comedy over a drama? I sure. don't know. I'm, I think so. You know, I, think I, know, I, like, I like comedies more than I like dramas. So in all honesty, like in the next round, Veep's going to beat Six Feet Under for me. So no, I mean that's not it for me because well, Sex in the City is also pretty dramatic too. Spoiler warning, because we're about to Sorry. get to the Veep matchup. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <You're fine. laughs> uh, and just like that, Sex in the City is out, and Six Feet Under will continue. Next, three quarters of us wanted to keep the campaign going for Two Seed Veep, but Carissa has a shotgun in her pocket and Six Seed Deadwood on her mind. Bob, why is advancing Veep the correct domestic policy? Carissa, don't shoot the messenger and explain why Deadwood should push forward into the bracket. I'd like for Carissa to go first. I'm kind of surprised that I'm uh, on my own here um, because this show is really highly regarded uh, by a lot of people, including one of my favorite critics, uh, Matt Zoller Seitz. Um, it was on from 2004 to 06. It was three seasons, 36 episodes, and uh, on a lot of people's lists of things that were canceled too soon. Um and so it got to actually have a movie, which came out semi-recently, um, 10 years after the show, and more than 10 years after, um, but it was set 10 years later. Uh, it's a Western, and it's also really, it's kind of like Rome in a lot of ways. You get um, actual historical figures like Wild Bill, uh, Calamity Jane, Wyatt Earp mixed in with um, random people who are your, you know, uh, your insight into life in De- South Dakota um, as it's changing from a camp to a semi-regulated uh, frontier town to an actually incorporated place um, and how people's kind of relation to lawlessness and order changes over time and i guess capitalism here you go <laughs> it's a it's a very american story a red herring. um what did you say i said it was a red herring 
That's communism. I know you are funny. I'm sorry. Um, it's also very, very sweary. Uh, one of our characters is Al Swearingen, but the show, um, I guess, was criticized for the first, the pilot episode. The first hour has 43 fucks in it. And somebody counted the, the series overall has 2,980 fucks, which average out to 1.56 fucks per minute. So I, you can't say they have no fucks to give. I mean, they gave all they of them. All of them. They They're gone. 2,980. <laughs> so I, you made a point that it's like Rome and I feel like it was, it had the exact same problem as Rome, which is a expensive and B it's kind of got a niche audience. No, it's like also, so the create, this is trivia from Wikipedia, uh, but the creator, um, David Milch, he wanted to do a series to examine how civilization comes together from chaos, um, around like a symbol and his, uh, what he was developing was Rome, Roman civilization and the cross. And, but then Rome was already in development. So HBO was like, can you like reframe this somehow? He was like, okay, let's do a Dakota frontier town around gold. Here we go. Yep. And that's, that's how it came about. Yeah. And I feel like they were fairly close to each other in terms of development, right? Rome was a little bit before, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think it was in that weird period where like Sopranos was winding down and they were looking for their next big hit and there were expectations on viewership. And if they weren't hitting them, they were expensive. It was like the chop. Oh no, this was actually a year before this was Oh four to Oh six and Rome was Oh five to Oh seven. Really? I guess I assumed Rome's first. Anyway, um, I'm going to hand it over to, uh, Bob for veep. You want to talk about sweary? <laughs> my God, my God. You want to talk about fucks to give? <laughs> my God. Um, with the exception of, I think, only a little bit of clunkiness at the beginning of a first season, um, just trying to get the footing a little bit in those first few episodes. I can't remember the last time I watched a series that clicked on all cylinders the way that Veep did from the very beginning. Um, this show, like, crackled, like... Uh, from the very beginning and only got better with every single season. Every single actor is both well cast and amazing in their roles. They knew exactly the character they were playing. They behaved that way. They reacted that way. They played their characters to, uh, to a T like there was, there was not a weak titty on that mama cat at all. Um, how can you deny the brilliance of Julia Louis Dreyfus in, in the role of Selena Meyer, six Emmy wins for the role. Um, it's gotten, uh, such critical acclaim won several awards 17 primetime emmy awards um i think probably including the six for julia louis dreyfus but um you know i when you th i can't think of a show that has made me laugh as hard recently as veep made me laugh um it's only a few years off the air at this point um sex in the city certainly has some some big big laughs for me but this is something that that hits so good and so well on the jokes that it was making the satire it was doing i mean it's that popular joke what should have been a satire on politics in america became a chilling documentary um <laughs> throughout, throughout the record throughout the run of this um series and they leaned into that it got to the point in their later seasons where they needed to one up the current president of the United States, because there was nothing off the table at that point. Yeah. And boy, did they, they, they put it all on the table. So, um, in my opinion, it is the gold standard of a satire and comedy, um, in recent years, um, in at least the last 10 years for really, um, 
really anything. And I think the actors loved making the show. You could see it in the end product. They were having a blast doing it from beginning to end. Um, you can see the love and care that went into this series. Um, that's just me. Clearly, I love Veep. So, Well, Kevin does too. So, Kevin, I assume you're with Team Veep here? I am. I love Deadwood, too. I, I hear you, Carissa. I think Deadwood is also a fantastic show. I, I was one of the few people who genuinely loved Deadwood from the start. But I, I just I love to laugh. And I think Veep does such a good job. It is, I think, the man, it's so fucking funny. I, I love I love that show. So I'm going with Veep. When I think of Kevin, I think live, laugh, love. And so <laughs> um, Gary, Gary, your inner child needs to grow an outer man. <laughs> uh, um, and I will just say this, Chris, uh, you did a great job stumping for Deadwood. It is a great show and it is a very important uh, HBO show. One thing we didn't touch on is for a Western, the women in that show were incredible because they yes. were treated the same way that the men were. And really prior to that in Western storytelling, that didn't happen a lot. So it was groundbreaking in that respect as well. No, I mean, you don't have to sell me on Deadwood. It just has the misfortune of being up against Veep in round two. So I believe we are moving Selena and Code up. Next up, it's Four Seed The Leftovers versus One Seed The Soprano. Sopranos. We're going to give it to The Sopranos, I believe. We talked about this. The Leftovers got a lot of discussion in part one of this episode. Uh, if you're like, oh my God, stop talking about that. Yeah, but uh, like seriously, we, we really wrapsed uh, philosophically on why it's a great show but it's up against the sopranos and i just don't think that's an argument anyone here is going to win am i wrong bob you even said and you're not a sopranos guy you're like no the sopranos should advance yeah 100 percent. yeah um and so then finally in round two two seed curb curb your enthusiasm is gramping up six seed euphoria's run kevin explain why we shouldn't curb our enthusiasm for larry david i will put on spectacular eye makeup and preach for euphoria um <laughs> kevin do you want to go first or yeah i'll go first um i, I mean I talked about this in, in part one again, plug Patreon, become a Patreon supporter, please. Uh, we love you. Um, but um, Larry David is, I think, one of the funniest people that is out there. Like he's just really, and he puts it out there. And I think he knows that he's an asshole and he loves it. Like he owns his asshole niche. Like he knows that. I think one of my favorite, I mean, there are so many moments. There's the gay kid who makes Susie a, oh my God. a pillow sham that has a on it. Yes. It, there's um, the Spike coffee store because Mocha Joe makes a terrible scone. There's the Seinfeld reunion stuff, which is possibly the weaker stuff in Curb, but it still is funny. There's... Um, Larry getting blackmailed by the owner of a store to cast a young, unattractive woman in a Netflix show this season. <laughs> There's, um, oh my God, I could just like go on and on forever about like, there's the pants tent, which is the in the first episode where Larry is wearing corduroys and he gets a pants tent and he goes to the movies with um, his wife's friend and she looks down and he, she thinks he has an erection but he doesn't have an erection it is the show about nothing that continues and perpetuates but it just is about how larry is very set in his ways and kind of owns that and i really genuinely appreciate the humor he brings to 
TV and continues to have brought to TV for again 22 years and then before that we had Seinfeld like so this man has been perpetually telling these like nonsensical jokes for a really long time but they're still fresh and they're still great and again HBO is the only show or the only network where you could evolve Seinfeld into its true Pokemon form <laughs> of curb your, <laughs> curb your enthusiasm and it's just bananas and fun and wild and 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 you get to interact with like real life famous people like ted danson and all and mary steenburgen and all these really um old school comedians but yet they understand who they are what they're doing and how they bring it to every ball and i i love it i love curb your enthusiasm a lot so I also love Curb, and it is remarkable that it's been on the air for literally 22 years. To me, this is an argument of the past and also present of HBO versus the future of HBO because it's up against Euphoria. And Euphoria is, uh, if you, in case you didn't know, we just ended season two. It is the second most watched HBO series ever behind Game of Thrones. That is remarkable because it is a show about teenagers doing drugs, having sex, and dealing with their mental health crises, but also a subplot about uh, a closeted gay daddy who does some really fucked up shit. Um, <laughs> but um, the fact that it is getting that kind of viewership for what is ultimately like a teen drama, that's pretty massive. It's also not only... A successful it's telling stories that are incredibly important to today's culture not just teen culture but for parents i do not have kids i will never have children i watch euphoria and i was just like holy shit i thought it was tough to be a teenager when i was one but like today with every, social media uh just the, the massive amounts of like real world anxiety it is a slap in the face and there are people who will tell you well it's not real it's all highly exaggerated i'm sure that's true but I also think there are some very real elements to this show, even in the moments that it's kind of highlighted and made surreal. And I think they kind of toned that down a little bit in most of season two. Um, but then you have the play, which is like ridiculous, <laughs> but also <laughs> such an incredible storytelling moment that we had building to, we were building like literally all season to this. And I was kind of a little disappointed with the first part of it, besides the holding out for a hero uh, dance number, which is <laughs> amazing. Everything I wanted, but that second part where Cassie comes in, Oh, that is, that's drama. And it is so good. So, um, it is a mess of a show. I do think that there's stuff that's going on behind the scenes that has dramatic impacts on storylines. Like the cat stuff is really complicated, apparently. And a lot of it has to do with behind the scenes stuff we don't understand. But I think that cast is amazing. What Zendaya does on that show as a actor, as a producer, as a musician, she's incredible and that's why i'm saying this is the future of hbo like these are, this is a young person having an incredible amount of access to the power of this show and really directing where it's going i find it remarkable i truly do and what a talented cast so it's like billy eilish kind of yes it's the same thing it's like and i think the vo those of us in gen x are and i'm here's soapbox moment are more confident in stepping back and being like i'm not going to dismiss what you're doing even though you're 20 years younger than me 
because I think you're brilliant and I'm actually going to raise you up and I want more. I want more from everybody in this cast. I think they're all really incredible. And I think that Levinson, who is the the creator and, and the chief architect of it, is also doing amazing work. It's doing really important things for addiction, mental health in this country. And I, I am a convert. Um, Carissa, where are you on this one? Yeah, I'm with Euphoria for so many reasons. And um, one of the things, like, I don't usually do this, but for um, for the last season, when the show ends, you know, um, after the credits, they, like, talk about the episode if you let it keep going. And I've watched all of them, just the cast and the directors and the writers, just how they talk about how they conceive these storylines and how they approach them and how they wanted to respect these things. It's all just, it's so thoughtful. Mm -hmm. Everything about that show is so thoughtful and it's so full of care, you know, like they are so careful, um, in all of it. So, I love it for that. I also just like, I'm not a huge Larry David fan. I, in my friend circle in college, there was a guy who basically wanted to be George Costanza. And then when, (laughs) yeah. And then when curb started and he like had direct access to the source, it like got, (laughs) you know, worse. This is the guy who, um, one time when we were debating about movies, got really mad, yelled at me and said, well, you just think your taste is the best. And I, so isn't that sort of the point? Exactly. <laughs> I just, so we have a fundamental, like, don't understand each other part. So like, I just, I can't, I find, I find that anxiety and the way that it, ex- it is expressed to be exhausting. Um, and I, and it just reminds me too much of that guy. So yeah, I'm gonna, I would, I will be that elder millennial and hold space for these, you know, what are they? Z? Why Z? I don't know. Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z. For these brilliant Gen Z people um, to to do their things. I know. We like millennials are 40. (laughs) Yep. Welcome to the future. Um, Kevin, you're sticking with Curb? Yep. Bob? Yes, and can I just? I'm, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not sticking with Curb. Actually, I'm, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Euphoria. Um, but I do, you switched your end vote too. I already saw that. I already looked. Uh, I do want to throw out there though the episode where Larry gets a pubic hair stuck in his throat. Really <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And the episode where he picks up the wrong Chinese food and then he goes back and gets the right Chinese food and then complains to the to the other person who he knew that got his food. He's like, "You took all the shrimp out of my, out of my shrimp out of my shrimp stir fry." This not in here there's no shrimp there's one shrimp in here i will argue we um, only have one comedy now if we do not move curb forward yes i'm just gonna say that and so so what's hbo better at so the the, that's a that's not a that's i don't know that they're better at one versus the other i think they're good at both and i think if we're only elevating dramatic series and you all pointed this out that we're moving things forward because they're dramas and not comedies we're doing that right now again, potentially. Fair. Bob, you wanted to say something. I was just going to say, there's some parts of the most more recent Curb Your Enthusiasm, Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes and, and seasons that I find kind of beyond cringe a little bit, that it's just like, I can't believe we're, we're, we're hitting some of these things or doing, doing some and of these things where it's Euphoria like... you don't is cringeworthy? Um, <laughs> Girl. I also think it, I, I also think that Euphoria is at times a pretty good comedy. I watched that play. 
I watched <laughs> I watched Cassie stand in a mirror and say, "Do I look like I'm auditioning for Oklahoma?" <laughs> that was good. That was good. Like, and, come on. I also um, think Succession technically it could qualify as a comedy. It's won awards in both yeah. comedy Recency and drama. bias. I just like to challenge you're, you. You're completely oh, correct. I, I could push either of these forward and I wouldn't be taking either of them to the end. So I guess it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, to I me, think that's, but. yeah. And I think you're correct. In, in five years, if we look back on this, is it, will we be like, man, we made the wrong decision there. Curb your enthusiasm should have increased over euphoria. That's entirely possible, but I'm making my decision right now. And I did laugh at a lot of those curb your enthusiasm throwbacks. I really did. Um, what is the seed wise curb is a two and wow. euphoria is a six but, Kevin, this, but the poll was taken before season two probably even aired it's true it's that is true but i have to say i think kevin might have just switched my vote back um Thank you. because recency bias and um seeds like i, I yeah and and so everything i just said i defended euphoria and i love it and i think it's great <laughs> but i'm switching my vote back carissa you can hate me i understand that's fine i'm just i have tickets to lexi's play and you can't <laughs> i can see this either way i think there was some shakiness about season two that would make me worried about where it goes after this sure. with euphoria Sure, that's fair. Well, I think that is it for round two. We're going to take a quick break to point and laugh at Showtime. We will be right back after these messages. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back for round three of our best HBO original series debate. Limber up like you're going to bed with Mr. Cocky because this is going to be a big one. Before we go into the Elite Eight matchups, I want to ask my panel, how can people find you on social media? Bob? Oh, on Twitter and on Instagram, you can find me both of those places at, at DizNerdBob. Thank you. Carissa? I am on Twitter and Instagram as at Carissa Class. Thank you. And Kevin? I'm going to make it super confusing, like yep. I always do. I am on Twitter at ET Kevin's Mind, and I am on Instagram on Kevin at Kevin underscore Dylan, D I L L O N underscore 23. And that's where I post a lot of thirst traps. So 100% true. There you go. Yep. Uh, and you can find me at Eric Resniak on Twitter and Instagram, or just message the at Great Pop Culture Debate account on Insta or at Culture underscore Debate on Twitter. So, with that being said, we're going to move into round three so we can get to the part where Lady True kills us all. Uh, first up, it's Game of Thrones versus Succession. We're going to go around the horn. I'm going to start with Bob Game of Thrones or Succession? Game of Thrones. Kevin. Succession. Carissa. Game of Thrones. I'm also Game of Thrones here. Do you want to talk about Succession, Kevin? We haven't really talked about it that much. Yeah, I don't like Game of Thrones. Um, and um, I'm going to be honest. I think it's a 
mediocre show. Um, I think it's fine. I think Succession is like to you. You mentioned this a little bit ago. I think it's funny. I think it's intelligent. It like literally destroys the entire um, essential, uh, essentially like Rupert Murdoch of it all. Mm -hmm. And and like, so for those who are not watching Succession, if you're not, um, I don't know what you're doing, Um, but it essentially follows the Roy family um, who essentially own um, what is the analogousness to Waystar? Way, yeah, yeah, they own Way, Ru, yeah, Waystar. Um, and so, um, it follows Logan, who is played by Brian Cox, who is the patriarch of the Roy family, and and it has it follows his. Um, I always forget Alan Rock. I <laughs> poor Alan Rock, who is actually really great in the show, but it follows uh shit typically like Kieran Culkin, uh Jeremy Strong, uh, and then God, why can't I remember her name? Oh my god, I'm blanking out. Shit, she plays Shiv. Sarah Snook. Sarah Snook, Sarah Snook and Alan Rock. And they play his children, and they it, it just follows this like essential, like it's almost Shakespearean. I think mm-hmm. that's the thing I love the most about it's succession. Very yeah. yeah, it's very King Lear. It it, it just is this essentially be- beautifully told, funny story about this gr- this family that essentially owns the media, owns a lot of the 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 political environment of the common world that we live in, and I just really love watching these characters tell each other to fuck off and i mean (laughs) it is just really fun to watch them play chess with one another always you're always watching a meticulousness that exists and we're compared we're this is fighting against game of thrones and i think the succession game of chess is more interesting than the game of thrones game of chess because the game of thrones chess game was essentially blown apart in the end and didn't make any sense even though i didn't mind the series finale it just started strong and petered out in a way that i didn't love um it was again fine i'm not one of those people who's like oh worst series finale ever no not not the case it just wasn't as strong as i guess i would have liked it to be but you know, Eric, your point is uh, you've made this point a couple times on this podcast that Succession season three started a little weaker. I think you essentially had to start in a weaker space to build to a weakening mind frame of the children in Succession um, because Logan was overexerting himself and really kind of taking over that reign. Um, and, and he doesn't want to. He doesn't want his children to succeed, which I think is one of the most fascinating stories ever. And um I don't know. I just find Succession much more entertaining. It's funnier. It's more interesting. And uh, I I love watching all of those actors just play. It's like watching theater. It is so beautifully done. Yeah, I, I get the theater the, theatrical comparison. To me, it's funny. You're like the Game of Thrones. Ultimately, the game of chess is pointless and it's blown up. And that's exactly what I'm already feeling about Succession is you, you put it. He doesn't want to give over his power to any of them. He doesn't want any of them to succeed. So this whole little game that he puts them through, it's like so fun. But like we've already done it. Like every season we go through this. It's this merry-go-round, and not for nothing. Why do you watch Drag Race? It's the same. 
same thing with them. <laughs> they all know what floor on the floor is, you know, but they still go. They And that's, I think that's the whole point. They know exactly what it is and they're still playing the game regardless. And they're like, choosing it. Exactly. They are, but like, I guess at a certain point as a viewer, I'm just like, first of all, I'm just like, I deal with this with my family, but we have no money. So it's the, the stakes are lower, <laughs> but like, it's the same thing. Like, oh, oh who's sorry. on the shit list this week? But like, it's to a certain degree, I'm just like, we've already done this. Like, and how many times do we have to have, oh, Shiv is out and she's all pissed off. Oh, but now she's back in because he throws her a bone. And yeah, that's interesting. The first like two or three times you do it to me, but now we're on like time seven. And I'm just like, you're all assholes. And I don't care what about any of you. Like, and I say this as someone who loved the first two seasons, but I noticed there was an enormous amount of anticipation leading up to season three and then gone. It just disappeared from the cultural zeitgeist. No, that's not true. I mean, Eric, season three, uh, there was the Directors Guild nominations. I I was mad about this, but it still happened. Succession was nominated for every single slot in the Directors Guild. Like, it is not gone. It won the it won Best Ensemble at the SAG Awards. It it is only capitalizing on its cultural cap, uh, cachet it is it is only increasing its net worth and and i do agree that season three was slightly a little bit of a dip in the beginning but where we ended up my god that divide is only setting us up for more success more good things to come and that's the difference between succession and game of thrones for me as as game of thrones expanded its world expanded its character it got less good it, it it started so strong the first couple of seasons of game of thrones are excellent i'll you give think? you that they are, yes i and think I season think, one is one of the weakest seasons i think it's fascinating because i think it sets up such really cool stuff it starts small and expands in a really interesting way and then it gives you a really great to fantastic to excellent season two and then season three is also excellent and and for me after that game of thrones kind of falls off a cliff a little bit well that's because at that point like season one adapted book one season two adapted book two season three adapted book three and then after that there were no more books to adapt because he hadn't finished writing them because he's a lazy shit sorry i'm saying it let's call it <laughs> Do out it. Do um, it. that all being said i don't want to belabor this point i believe we are currently three to one is anyone changing their vote to succession no carissa no. Okay. So you made a very good argument, Kevin. Um, we're going to have to stick to our guns on this one. Game of Thrones advances. Next, it's The Wire versus Watchmen. Bob, I'm assuming you're Team Watchmen. I am Team Watchmen. Kevin? Wire. Carissa? Wire. Okay. So here's where I'm going to come in with my Watchmen argument that I've been holding on to all episode. Um, understanding that it's not going to win, and I'm okay with that. So it is the... Entry on the list that is arguably the most dubious because it only had one season, but when it was initially announced, it was open. It was possibly going to be more. They just opted not to do more. The first and only season of Watchmen, when it was announced, I remember complete confession as a comic reader. I was like, oh my God, not again. Like uh, Watchmen is one of those things that comic readers have furiously masturbated over since the 1980s. Uh, it's uh, Alan Moore's 1980s limited series. And 
was one of the main reasons that comics shifted to this really dark, self-serious, navel-gazing place for literally decades. And it was cool and interesting at the time, but God, it just, it inspired so much trash. And it's been so done, the Zack Snyder movie, the prequel comic books, the sequel comic books. Like, I was just like, I I don't need to see this property again. And then when I found out it was the people who did Lost doing this series, I was like, oh shit, this is going to be a mess. And I was dead wrong because from the very first moments of episode one, where it flashed back to the Tulsa massacres, this was a completely different property that took the best themes and characters from the original and instead used it to to tell a completely new story in what was originally a very white male-centered viewpoint on America and shifted it completely to be like the minority and female experience. And it was revolutionary to me. I, I was absolutely dumbfounded week after week. I was challenged. I was shocked. I was surprised. And I was delighted by what I was seeing. Terrific acting from Regina King, Jeremy Irons, Gene Smart, Yah Abdul-Mateen, Louis Gossett Jr. Like, Every episode I thought was terrific. I was bummed out that it lasted only one season. They didn't bring it back because, like, there were huge plot threads left dangling that totally should have been followed up on. But I'm just so glad we got that one season because it is excellent. I think it is, to this day, one of the best things that HBO has ever done. That being said, it's up against The Wire, and The Wire devotees are never going to let it advance. Am I correct? You are correct. (laughs) So, Bob, did you switch your vote to The Wire, or are you sticking with Watchmen? Uh, No, I'm sticking with Watchmen. I think you really did a great job arguing arguing for it. And you want to talk about a show that wants to say something? This is a show that wants to say something. And I get it. The Wire does, too. But, like, this, to me, and it was just so different and interesting from beginning to end. And you were continually guessing throughout it. Um, and it was continually challenging you to think and flip things on its head. Um, I I just loved everything that it did, um, from beginning to end without a doubt. Yeah. And, um, I I think you will get a second season eventually. Do you? I I genuinely do. I think you're going to get, us when when um oh god what is his name from lost you just said um lindelof damon lindelof Lindelof. i think when damon lindelof so here's here's what his mindset is is that he's like i need to make sure that i have all my ducks in a row i need to make sure that i have shit together and i think that's why he did not do a season two because he did not want to disappoint people because season one was so epically good Mm mm-hmm And I think you will get a season two once you get an arc or a storyline that lines up that allows him to feel like he's going to succeed. Okay, I, I, listen. My body is ready. Whenever, whenever <laughs> I'm, willing, I'm willing to wait for it, if it if it's going like for it to be good, right? I'm yep. willing to wait as long as we make sure that we do it right. Absolutely, right. absolutely. So we will be advancing the wire. Watchmen is going down. Next up, it's Six Feet Under versus Veep. Incredibly different projects. Carissa, where are you on this? I'm with Six Feet Under here. I'm actually still working my way through Veep, which was one of the other things I started watching for this bracket. I'm almost all the way through season five, so I'm pretty close to the end. Um, But I have seen all of Six Feet Under, which was must-watch TV for me as soon as the DVD sets came out. Um, And I think that Six Feet Under has one of the best series finales of all time ever. So. For sure. And also a very good season 
or series premiere. Like it's a strong mm-hmm. pilot. Yep. Uh, Bob. I'm with Veep. Kevin. I am also with Veep. I'm also with Veep too. Sorry, Carissa. And that's I'm, fine. I saw this happen. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my argument that Six Feet Under is a great show. It just, I, I still believe it was the B Squad to Sopranos, and I, Veep is unparalleled in terms of what it's trying to do. There, that, that's just my opinion. And again, you can tell me that I'm, I'm a know nothing whore. Um, <laughs> finally, in the Elite Eight, it's the Sopranos versus Curb Your Enthusiasm. Kevin, you go first. Sopranos. Uh, Bob? Sopranos. Carissa? Sopranos. And I will also be voting for Sopranos, even though, Bob, I'm, I hope I'm not um, blowing your spot here, but neither Bob or I are huge Sopranos fans. <laughs> but if you're talking about Wild. the Wild. quintessential HBO experience, you can't not talk about the Sopranos. So, um, and I will also point out that we let Sex in the City go down, although that's part of the quintessential HBO experience in the comedy side. But I agree with you. Just I saying, agree with you. I was willing. To, I was willing to, to, not to give according up to the voters. That is point point two. That was a four seed. Um, so, final four of Game of Thrones versus The Wire, Veep versus The Sopranos. Interesting. Honestly, didn't see it coming down to this. But let's start with Game of Thrones versus The Wire. I'm going to start with Bob. I'm going to go with the Game of Thrones. Uh, Kevin, I'm assuming you're the wire. I am the wire. Carissa? I'm the wire. And I'm going with Game of Thrones, which means it is a tie here. I will. I think we've heard a lot of arguments on the wire. Um, I have, have a few more if you want. Do you it. Need. Do it. I would love for you to do this. Yes, give it to me. Okay, so this is all right. We're hitting it. If we want to talk about icons, if I tell you some character names, if I say Omar Little, you know who I'm talking about. If I say Bubbles, you know who this is. I'll give you five words Idris Elba as Stringer Bell. Okay, like these are iconic performance, these are career making performances for a lot of these actors. Um, if you, so the show was mostly overlooked awards wise, um, while it was airing, but seasons four and five were recognized by writers guilds and directors guilds because they recognized what the show was doing and how ahead of the time it was. If you are in a university, chances are this will be some of your course material. There are classes on The Wire at several universities. The Wire is a text in Harvard's class on urban inequality. Um, You'll also encounter it in law classes, film classes, sociology classes, and as an example of literary fiction. Is that all? Well, I mean, I have some more, but I can pause. Everything you're saying, but uh, like uh, your first argument, bubbles... I have no idea who no that idea. is. Omar, <laughs> I know who Omar is just because everybody talks about Omar. But when I'll, Michael K. Williams died last year, yeah. everyone was talking about. Yeah. But you want to talk wall. about if I say something, do you know what Khaleesi is? Do you know what Valar yeah, Morales is? Character who ended bad. Cersei. <laughs> Cersei. Joffrey. The shame yes, nun. Like even course. like like tiny little incidental characters are like renowned. Like I don't think you can make the argument that The Wire has more cultural awareness than Game of Thrones. I mean, Game of Thrones is fucking everywhere. Not so much now. We have to acknowledge the last season hurt its ultimate 
kind of cultural relevancy. I don't think there's any debate about that. And I'm an apologist for the last season. It was rushed as hell, but I do think that the wrap up was not as bad as everyone says it was, but like you cannot make the argument poorly written women versus an authentically created story around a city and people that fully formed. Sorry. I'm sorry. Did you have watch parties for the wire? Did you have all of your friends over to watch them? It wasn't that kind of a show. For it wasn't one. that kind of a show. You're, you're very, you're very, very correct. The Wire did a lot of things. The one thing it didn't do was get a huge audience like Game of Thrones. Right, right. But it's number two. So you're arguing that a show, a show that didn't have a lot of people watching it live is not as good as a sh- just because a show didn't have people watching it when it aired doesn't mean it was bad oh. like that's the argument that you're making right no, now no 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 that is not the argument i'm making i'm not saying- you no no bob bob was saying that just because it didn't have watch parties or whatnot doesn't mean it's not a good show no. eric no. said watch parties yeah I'm oh, saying, i don't even think bob's saying that either i'm not saying it's not no. a good show but i'm saying you can't say it's number two game of thrones is number one i think they're both very good shows i think you can make the the argument that yeah the 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 ending of game of thrones was super rushed the people make the argument that the female characters are not very well written which i don't think is entirely true if i'm being honest name i think the well written female characters Arya is a great of Cersei well- and aria name the well written characters i'm sorry what was the the first part of that I said, name the well-written female characters outside of Cersei and Arya that had long arcs. Lady uh, Tyrell? Brienne? Kind of. I'll give Brienne to you. I will not give Lady Tyrell to you. Marjorie? Yeah, I would only say Marjorie. Brienne. Marjorie did not have a good arc. She died unceremoniously. The and shame <laughs> I think Marjorie has a great arc. Are you kidding me? Like she's on the cusp of everything, and it's ripped into away this from her. sci-fi bullshit that it just because you think it's on HBO. I'm sorry, it's not good. It's not. I'm not going to agree with you. So you've not. And you that. don't have to agree with me because guess what? I don't need your votes. It's the ultimate number one seed. We have two votes. You have two votes. I win, motherfucker. That's the Game of Thrones. So That's fine. You can have this round. You're gonna have, <laughs> have the whole thing because Bob switched. Uh, and here's the other thing I'm going to say is I think this is a, a real stretch, but follow me here. Back on OG Original Idol, whenever the people came in to do the auditions, they were always like, who do you listen to? Oh, my God, I love Donny Hathaway. And I'm like, fucking bullshit. That is the same thing that when I was running in journalism, I would have interns come in and say, what do you read? Oh, I read The New Yorker. It's the answer everybody gives because they know that's the answer they're supposed to give. So the wire coming in as a two seat on this is the answer everybody gave because they knew they were supposed to give it. But it doesn't match up to the actual cultural relevancy of the show. I'm sorry. You can argue all the time that you want like oh it did all of these incredible things but if you go out and pull 20 people on the street maybe three of them have watched the wire it's the truth i'm sorry then why did it get number two but anyway because people were telling you what they want it's it's poll bias i've been pushing sopranos ahead because it's what i've known i've needed to do same and I don't like it, but I pushed it to the final four because well, I know I'm supposed is, to. Taste is irrelevant, but continue. Let's taste move is on. not irrelevant in a in a pop culture <laughs> debate. It's literally the whole fucking point. Like what Carissa said about her friend in college. Isn't that the point of having an opinion on something? <laughs> Let's keep going. Next friend, ex friend, ex friend. Uh, so with that being said, with that very heated debate along Dracaris, Game of Thrones is continuing to the final two over the wire. And next, it's Veep versus The Sopranos. I'm very curious where you're coming down kevin here because a huge fan of both shows i actually picked veep interesting carissa 
I have a million things to say about The Sopranos, uh, which is my ultimate pick. Bob? I'm choosing Veep. Uh, I am also going to give it to The Sopranos because ultimately, even though I don't like it personally, I understand from a cultural and HBO perspective, it is bonkers for it to not be in the final two versus Veep. And I I can respect its quality even though I don't like it in the same way I respect the wire's quality, even though it's not for me. And I hope that's not come across as like Eric hates the wire. I don't hate the wire. I just, I found it boring and I find the Sopranos just not for me. You said you're not an Italian American. I'm an Italian American versus sexual infusion, but I still don't <laughs> like the Sopranos. Um, so I actually, I'm going to switch my vote to the Sopranos actually as well. Okay. But does anybody want to say like, our, I think we've made strong arguments for Veep. Right. Yes. Like we, we, yeah. we acknowledge yeah. it's an amazing show. I think it belongs in the final four. I don't think it belongs in the final two. I agree with you. I just want to look at my children 20 years from now. And when they say, where were you on this day? And what did you pick? <laughs> <laughs> and you can do that with uh, a, a sparkle in your eye, Bob. Okay. I so, know the Sopranos is going forward and I'm, I'm fine with it. Game of Thrones versus Soprano, the final two, I think it's the most obvious final two. Um, That's not why I put them both in there. I'm going to go around the horn here. Carissa. I'm with the Sopranos. Bob. I'm with the Game of Thrones. It's not the Game of Thrones. It's Game of Thrones. (laughs) They're all. Okay. Kevin. Sopranos. Easily. So if we're going by seeds, technically Game of Thrones is the ultimate number one seed. Yeah. And I truly believe that Game of Thrones is the show that I enjoy more and I would rewatch it. I've read all the books. I've even read the supplementary materials for fuck's sake. But is it the defining HBO show? Is it the best HBO show? Can I say something and yes. retract my anger that I existed I exacted on all of you in a minute? I think the two of them are the defining HBO shows. I agree I really, with that. I, I really mm-hmm. do. And I, I, I'm going to be nice and I'm sorry if I came in a little hot against both of you <laughs> and I apologize. But I think the two of them are the defining HBO shows. You're a hundred percent right. You do not need to apologize. I'm the one no, who came I in know, hot there. But I don't always like to be an I don't want to diabetic this. I don't want to snapple. <laughs> I I I do think I think you're I think these are the defining HBO shows. They I, really are. I do too. Um and I think Game of Thrones is the defining like second golden age of HBO and Sopranos yep. is the first golden age of HBO. Yep. I yep. think what Sopranos has going for it that Game of Thrones does not is that it was again acknowledging it is not my favorite and it's not a show for me. It was consistently regarded as excellent television from tip to tail it did not have even if there were episodes that people didn't love season wise it is still generally regarded as consistently very good and game of thrones does not have that game of thrones funny what's what's funny both of them had finales that people hated it's true but now i feel like people have really come around on the sopranos finale i think people have actually embraced it um Will we have that in 10 years from Game of Thrones? I don't think we will. I don't think so either. Because I think the issue, and and you talked about it a little bit, Kevin, was it wasn't just that final episode, right? It was that whole final season that was so rushed. And so much buildup was just thrown into a meat grinder that there was nothing you could do. Whereas with Sopranos, it was 
like the last five minutes that people didn't like, right? Yeah, the the fade to black, right? The fade right. to yeah, yeah. So I think that is why Sopranos has the leg up for me here. But I'm curious to hear, Carissa, you haven't really spoken on the Sopranos yet, and you love this show, so take it away. I do love this show. Um, yeah, it it was the beginning of solidifying HBO as premium television, um, and also Tony as an antihero. So maybe game of thrones has opened doors for other shows but without the sopranos was kind of tony was the prototype for us getting walter white and also don draper like the the creators of these characters have spoken openly about being inspired by this show and this character so effects on you know other quality television are right there um the Putting Tony in therapy is, yes. is is brilliant because it gives us insight into his inner thoughts, you know, and and that's what tips this genre on its head because it it is also like a gangster show, right? But it is not. It is a family drama. It is a weird workplace drama because he goes to the <laughs> office, you know? And then there's like the the teenagers and Meadow is like this, you know, woke, becoming woker teenager whose parents, you know, pay for her to go to Columbia, but also like, look at how they made their money, you know? So it's it, there's this really interesting push-pull of wanting to root for these people that are, morally reprehensible you know and and the and the show reminds you of this you know it doesn't let you forget that but you still it it plays in this really interesting um dynamic way with its audience um yeah i i think it's top-notch television i re-watched it the winter of 2020 2021 um it was one of my favorite things i i paused um before going into season six because i did not want it to end again so i will i will add i think sopranos has spawned a genre of anti-hero male and female that game of thrones has not necessarily game of thrones has spawned the 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 evolution of fantasy mm-hmm. not in the best way for me like sopranos gives you mad men which was also written by matthew weiner who was a writer on the sopranos it also spawned breaking bad it spawns ozark it spawns like all of this evolution of television whereas game of thrones is almost anomalous in the same way like return of the king is anomalous like or the lord of the rings films are anomalous like they're these like singularly beautiful shows that do very good insularly whereas the sopranos is evolutionary in a different way and i think that's why i'm coming down to sopranos i will push back in that i do think that game of thrones did inspire the fantasy genre and there have been some very good entries already i think wheel of time the first season didn't knock it out of the park but there's some really good stuff in there it would not have happened before game of thrones we have the new lord of the rings tv series coming to amazon the witcher arguably is also a beneficiary of this and those are shows that hold their own are they as and there's that prequel coming, right? To HBO, Correct. the dragons. There's the House something. of the Dragons Dragon. that's coming, yeah. yeah. And we don't know from those yet if they're going to be successful. But I do think that it did bring an entire new genre 
into realization on TV. It also encouraged TV series, excuse me, TV networks to take a gamble on something because this was not a sure thing. It was a very risky move to do Game of Thrones. It was incredibly yeah. expensive. And the amount of money that they were putting into each episode was basically like a feature film for every final episode of season True. eight, um, which is that is HBO, right? It is that audacity to say, we're going to put down this kind of money and take a huge gamble. And more often than not, it does pay off for them. The Sopranos is a little bit of a safer bet, I think. And I do give points for ambition almost any time we're in one of these debates. Um, the other thing I will argue, and then I'm going to cede it to Bob, and, and I'm, I'm let me be very clear here. I'm completely fine with The Sopranos winning, and I do think it's probably the right choice. But is it such a great thing that The Sopranos then inspired all of these other shows that look into crime in America and make us feel empathetic towards hardened criminals? I'm not sure that is. There's a big part of me, and this is why I'm not a huge fan of, of mafia movies, etc., is why are we glorifying this? I understand why it's interesting. But I think there that's is... a simplistic view of it. Though. Yeah, because feel... we're not glorifying it. I don't think it. they glorify yeah. it. I the don't sh- think I, I don't think so. I don't feel good. I don't feel better. I don't th- I don't feel better for Tony Soprano. I don't feel better for Walter White. I feel mm-hmm. bad for the people around them. Who they who are pulled into their orbit because of the 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 their per, uh, the way that they conduct their lives, the way that they live their lives. I think that's the whole point. It's the same thing with like Killing Eve and Villanelle, and like sure. they're they're pulling these people into their world. They're not we're not necessarily feeling bad for them. We're finding them interesting because there is a complexity to the criminal mind, of course, but I don't feel bad for them. And I think that's the same thing. And and Bob just said this this week with the dropout and Elizabeth Holmes. I don't feel bad for Elizabeth Holmes. I think it's an interesting examination of who she is as a human, but like, I don't, we're, we're getting these, we're getting to tell complex stories about complex people, but I don't feel bad for them. I just, I I'm engaged in a space where I'm able to view them. So that's, that's, I'll throw that back in, in that way. And that's fine. And I think the showrunners agree with you, Kevin. Their intention is not to make us necessarily root for these people. But you know as well as I do, there are a lot of people out there that idolize Tony Soprano, that idolize Walter White. The man has fucking t-shirts that are still being sold as Heidenberg. Like, whether that's the intention or not, there is a significant number of the population that's just like, yeah, man that's who I want to be. That was a gangster. And it's like, "Mm, I think you're kind of missing the point. But, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, is that something that should determine whether or not it's a successful show? I guess not. Bob, what are your thoughts on this? I want to start by saying that I'm troubled by the implication from Carissa that Game of Thrones is not a workplace drama. So I guess maybe now in our work from home where you can where where you're a nomad and you still have a workplace. <laughs> I too pushed a child off a ledge. <laughs> I, I I think I'm going out on a limb and I know that I'm probably gonna lose. And I'm probably going out on a limb saying this because I I don't have any data to back this up. But I don't think I could deny the shared experience of Game of Thrones. Um, I know that Sopranos had that same shared experience to a certain degree, but this was almost on another level from my recollection of the two different eras of these, of these series. Um, there was really something that kept us coming back week after week because we needed to know who was going to sit on the throne in the end. Um, there was a, 
I know it kind of fumbled a little bit in the end, although I love Game of Thrones from beginning to end. I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh God, this was terrible. I get it that it was rushed and you can see that, but I still think it's very good. And I think a lot of the folks who rag on the last season of Game of Thrones are very similar to those Star Wars fans who hate Star Wars Fully. because there's nothing cooler than to hate Star Wars when you actually love Star Wars and people are going to stop making it for you. If you keep doing that, just FYI, there's my public service announcement. Uh, anyway, <laughs> no, it's so can, true. I, can, I, can I give you an insight into ratings as we do this? So the average rating for game of Thrones in its last season was 12 million viewers. It's the same for the Sopranos. So they, that have, is the interesting. Okay. That's, they have the literal same viewership. So, that is fascinating. The thing is, is like, and, and think about like timing of like access to to HBO. HBO has a higher level of access in in the modern era than it did back in the day. And, so here's and, a fun fact: Sopranos was kind of the beginning. It, it first came to DVD at the beginning of the rise of Netflix. So it was the first series that people who didn't pay for premium television could binge could marathon you would get your two or three discs and you'd watch a whole season in a weekend and then you'd move on to the next and so that was my experience with the sopranos initially that was how i started watching it and then watching the seasons when they came out and then i was an hbo subscriber and so watched the final season when it happened live so I think it was kind of that experience for a lot of people, but the, yeah, being able to maybe marathon the episodes changed maybe some of the fan base and also accessibility. And if and you were I, old I, enough, I'm sorry, I, I was just going to say, if you're old enough to remember getting uh, DVDs through Netflix, please schedule your colonoscopy. Um, Bob, you've been trying to say something. No, and I think, and I don't, I can't speak to, I never watched all of or finished The Sopranos for sure. Like, I'm very limited in my total Sopranos knowledge because of this. But, and I know it was a very different time of the internet then than it was now with Game of Thrones, right? But I just feel like there was that ongoing conversation of, of people coming together and having to talk about, like, oh, this could happen. And what's this theory? And what's my fan theory about what's going to happen? I, I, I guess I don't know the full story of, of Sopranos to know if those were the sort, same yeah, sort of conversations. Yeah, it totally that had that. It was who's going to get whack next? Yeah, there were. Yeah, it was the start of like television without pity fan group stuff speculation they, they were also like decoding tony's dream sequences yeah. and like yeah. what does this mean what is it hinting at like the, that yeah. was happening but to your point bob i think there was more of that going on with game of thrones but is it because the internet had mm -hmm. boomed in that way kevin i feel like you were trying to get something in there Oh, I was also going to say, I'm sorry, I'm stealing, I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now to, to just like have my, <laughs> my numbers. So at its highest, The Sopranos had almost 14 million viewers. Game of Thrones actually never clo came close to touching that. Hmm. Um, and so I will say that if we're talking viewership, it's just a different, it's a different time. Like, yeah. that's the mm -hmm. thing. We're comparing time. And like... Mm -hmm. The Sopranos and Game of Thrones came out in different time frames when viewership is a different thing. And and they're both great. And to be honest with you, remember, Eric, we did this in the Emmys. And I, I don't know how you feel about this. But, like, both are great. And I'd be comfortable being like, these are the two best shows that HBO has ever done. I don't know. I'm I'm fine with doing that. I like that that answer. I mean, I like playing Kofi Annan <laughs> and being like these two shows are both great and they're both great for different reasons and so like you know, like why not like 
Ingrid Bergman when Barbara Streisand won the Oscar. It's a tie. Catherine <laughs> <laughs> Hepburn in The Lion in Winter and Barbara Streisand in Funny Girl. Well, I got it. <laughs> well, I got it. <laughs> nice try. Uh, I'm not going to put <laughs> the peanut butter and chocolate together. Um, the the, the throne belongs to one person. Not I, I, We've only done two ties in the history of the great pop culture debate, and this is not going to be our third. Um, but that being said, Stop delaying the inevitable. <laughs> I do think it. Um, I, I think it is The Sopranos for me, and that Kevin, it's for you. It is for me and Carissa. It is, yeah, yeah. So, um, regardless of my personal feelings on the show, and Bob, I hope you're not too upset. No, um, I knew this would happen. <laughs> coming like one of the dreams that he'll discuss with Dr. Melfi. Uh, I faded to black on this side. Exactly. <laughs> he went the way of the ducks. Yes. And there you have it. Our pick for the best HBO original series is The Sopranos. Do you agree? Do you think we need to visit the Pine Barrens? Tell us how you really feel by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. While you're there, make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so that you can hear about what new debates are coming soon. Vote in open poll and even decide which topics we tackle next. I want to say thank you to my panel. I will never cancel my subscription to you. And thank you for listening. If you loved what you heard, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where you can find even more exclusive content and you get episodes a whole day early. We hope you have a good one. And remember, everybody, you're entitled to your wrong opinions, especially us this episode. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.